Welcome to Sexy Confidence with Eva, the relationship maker, where we talk about relationships, we talk about dating, we talk about life in general, successes, and I'm always pleased to have interesting guests like today, the gentleman who sits across on the other screen and in another city, it's uh, Mr. Jason Matthews. He is uh, an American veteran. He lives now here in Canada. And uh, we were talking just uh, to, uh, to touch bases, to, uh, to know each other, to find out what he's doing and what I'm doing. And uh, it was so interesting that I asked him if he doesn't mind uh, for me to do a podcast. And this is the result. I have listened to him uh, giving uh, coaching to two people and um, it was very interesting to listen to it and he, his knowledge is very impressive. Also his caring and his kindness. So we are recording so if you want to start from the top let's go ahead. Yeah, uh, you know what, uh, the subjects we are talking about is so pertinent for today. And I think if it can help one person, then uh, the job is done. So would you like to uh, repeat who you are and what you do, please? Sure. My name is Jason Matthews, and I run a company called Relatum. I'm an emotion strategist, which means that I help people create emotional connections with each other in order to create deeper feelings of trust and belonging, regardless of whether it's business, relationships, it's just about with everyone, because we are emotional creatures that have a logical experience. So it makes sense to tap into that emotion in order to create a better sense of living for success and for love. And you said something that I said, it's a big word because you had people to get along with everybody. Right, to get along with and everyone, yeah. Talking about how divided the world is today and it doesn't matter it's religion or race or whatever, but it seems like the the, the basic of a tribe to, to hold things together, to help each other out, it doesn't exist because everybody's so individualistic. So, and uh, where we stopped and we said, let's record it. Um, I was asking how you, like, if I have a problem and I go to you and I'm saying, you know what, I, I feel that I have an understanding with this person, but the rest of them I cannot stand. And at this point, it's very easy to, to be at that place. What are, you, what are your suggestions? How are you going to help me? So the only thing that I do is I ask questions because really the answer lies in the problem. But the only way that we can get to it is by asking the right questions. So I would start off by saying, what is the difference between the person that you get along with and the people you don't? What do you notice is the big difference? Okay. And then what, based on that answer, th that, that's a big question because now um, what I'm doing is I'm targeting the thing that triggers that person. So what is it that makes that person feel unsafe? What is it that makes the person feel they need to really focus on their ego and compete with other people rather than uh, collaborating, feel a sense of humility and have a sense of curiosity about the people that they don't have, what, what that they do with, with this other group? Like what, what, is, what is the difference that they see? How is the, how is the interaction different for them? 
because people are at cause with every single relationship that they, that they create, with every person that they interact with, they are in some way at cause. They have done something to contribute to the interaction, which means they have a certain responsibility with the people that they interact with. Mm -hmm. So by getting to the point where they understand that responsibility, they realize where they can change the dynamic of that relationship. And when one person changes the dynamic of a relationship, that entire relationship changes. And it only requires one person to really reach across and give that handout and say, I want to understand you. I want to create a meaningful connection with you. Are you willing to do so? And if the answer is no, that's fine. You, you don't have to interact with that person or with that group. You can move on. But to get that no answer and then to feel a sense of indignance or a sense of rejection or a sense of hostility, that's really something that you've created for yourself. It's something that you've brought to that relationship rather than just saying, I wish you well. What is the fear of the people if they say, because as we said that people are very, um, lone, they are loners, they are egocentric, they are uh, for themselves. It's me and myself and I. So we live in that kind of world, how, how we enrich our lives but we don't go further than that. So if I'm saying that I come to you and say, okay, I get well along with this, but the other person is an idiot because I think that I'm more than the other person. Uh, How you bring me down to, to a level that, hey, we are humans. Right, so my next question would be, so what is it that makes you feel like you're above them? Or what, may, what is it that makes you feel like, you're, like they're below you? And I, again, I, I, I just target the emotions because it's all emotional and the answers are going to help me, help them, help, help me, help them realize where, where the difference is and what the, what the disparity is between them and realize that there is no real disparity. It's just what's in their mind. Mm -hmm. So when, when I say, okay, so what is it that makes you feel like you are, you are above them? They tell me it, it either comes down to superiority or um, superiority or privilege. And when they talk about how they feel superior, I can label that. It seems like you feel like you are superior to them or it seems like you feel like you have more privilege than they do. And when I say privilege, all I mean is the belief that there is a right to more and just because of a certain factor when really it's just an illusion. There's a great book out there called The Anatomy of Peace and it was written by the Arbinger Institute. And it really talks about this exactly. And one of the quotes that they, uh, that they harp on a lot is one by um, uh, Martin Buber. He says, when two people uh, interact with each other authentically and humanly, God is the electricity that surges between them. And it's just an act of wanting to see another person as your equal. Because the moment you see yourself as above someone or the moment that you put yourself below someone, you have now objectified the, the person or people that you are, you are interacting with. They no longer are people, they're objects. And objects are something to control, to move around or to remove. And so when you see them as an object, you treat them as an object, meaning that you, you basically, you take away their humanity, their basic humanity, and you decide what their fate is. The moment you see them as being human, you see them as being equal to you. And so you, you level up the playing field. You interact with them as if you were interacting with yourself. 
One of the things that I observe, especially in couples, when they don't tend to have that physical uh, closeness, like they, they hug each other or, you know, they don't look in each other's eyes, they forget that the other person is human. And as soon as they lock eyes and they have that, that connection, then they can see the other person. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, but I met lots of people who are lacking self-confidence or self-esteem. And I think that is a very hard work to bring them up. Do you go back uh, to their childhood, to their, uh, their experiences, to see how you can bring them out from that dark space? In a way, I don't do, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't, I don't do regressions. What I do okay. is I just identify where the emotional trigger was set. And okay. yes, it almost always is set somewhere in their past, in their childhood, where, where they gained their, their learning apparatus uh, from the, their parents or from their other caregivers, from the people that they look up to. But all that I need to do is to just identify where the trigger lies, because it's important to understand how an emotion came about, but it is not important to get into the story. The story doesn't matter. What matters is, okay, understanding and appreciating what happened at a time and how a person reacted. Because every single emotion that we feel, whether we believe it's positive or negative, is useful. It's useful because in some way, it has allowed us to cope, to survive, to cope, to continue going on, where we feel like connecting with others did not allow that. So by understanding how that emotion has served us in the past, appreciating it for then, and then using it as a tool to be able to understand how we react now, we can create better opportunities to interact with ourselves and with others in the future. And you said something very powerful, fear. Fear is the cause of mm. almost everything. We are fearful of losing something, so that's why we go and then we fight and we are nasty or fear of we are not good enough, or fear of death lately. Mm -hmm. It's like all that fear, how, how, should, how could people uh, get rid of that fear or help not get rid because you cannot get rid of the fear, but manage the fear so they feel comfortable where they are. Right, so if you imagine a triangle and you imagine that this triangle really is how we interact with others. There are three points. So you've got one point as being ego, the other one is being fear, the other one is being competition. These are the three areas where we act for the self, where we, where, where we put ourselves first and we really keep others at bay. We have the sense of, I, I can't trust you, or I can't work with you, or I am better than you. And when we, uh, when we understand how it is that we use those, we can better unravel them. Fear is the ubiquitous piece. It's also uh, one of the smaller pieces. So it has two roles. It, it governs ego. It also governs competition. When you understand that the opposite of ego is humility, the opposite of uh, fear is curiosity, and the opposite of competition is collaboration, you can understand that there is a balancing act that you have to have between all three of these pieces. And when you, are, when you are curious enough to learn, but fearful enough to understand how people 
can hurt you, but not necessarily will, when you are humble enough to want to see people as equal to you, but have enough ego to really understand how you need to survive, how you need to really keep yourself first in order to, lo in order to keep from losing yourself. When you find the ability to work with others to collaborate, but also have enough competition to keep from ha having someone steal what you have, you create that healthy balance that is absolutely necessary to create the kind of interactions where you can feel respected, where you can feel understood and valued, and you can give that understanding, respect, and value to others as well. Oh, that's amazing. It's very interesting. Uh, how you get over not trusting someone, because I find that sometimes couple, they get to a point and they say, I cannot trust the other person anymore, or I don't trust. I, I have that thing that I have to make sure that I can trust the person because my previous experiences. Uh, so how you, how, you let, how you help them to, okay, you are here. Yes, something happened. But how, how they can take the step one, two, three to trust each other again? It comes down to one word, responsibility. You need to take responsibility for how you feel. Because when someone says, I cannot trust that person, they are externalizing their responsibility to someone or something else. They have made something else responsible for the way that they feel. When you take responsibility for how you feel and you admit the fact that you are the only one that can make you feel any certain way, when you, when you come to that realization and you act upon, you act with that realization then you can create the kind of dynamic with another person that's based on trust. But we have to take responsibility for how we feel first. We have to realize that the only reason why I feel this way is because I have made a decision based on past experiences to feel this way. And at any time, I can stop feeling this way and feel something else. Do we rely too much on the other person to make us happy, to make us confident, to make us what we want to see that who we are yeah when you give responsibility to someone else for that you create a very sticky situation called codependence mm -hmm. and codependence doesn't work out for anybody because you've you've made someone else responsible for your happiness and that is a responsibility that no one can bear and no no one can really shoulder that responsibility other than you because if I were to ask you, Eva, to be responsible for my happiness, that means you have to be responsible for two people, yourself and the person that you're with. And no one can take responsibility for two people. You, you take responsibility for yourself is hard enough. How the heck can you take responsibility for me? <laughs> yeah, it's true. So yeah. when we realize that we can only take responsibility for ourselves and we actively take responsibility for ourselves and we refuse taking the responsibility for someone else, it feels very liberating. We've lifted a weight off of ourselves because we realize we can take on exactly what we can take on and it's just enough. It's funny that we were saying, we're just going to have a little get together to talk <laughs> and I'm picking your brains because I find it fascinating and uh, I'm learning from you. It's very interesting how you approach things, uh, what your beliefs and most, most of the things you're talking like, especially about holding the other person responsible, it's, it's a too big of a job for one person to carry that, as you said. So when you work, this is, and personal, 
relationships. But I think you said it goes into the business too. Yes. So you you applying the same system in the business. Right. Do you do, go to corporations or you just have a, a group of people that they're going to get together and uh, I, I, I believe now you're going to do it on the internet because yeah. you cannot yeah. go to anywhere else. So right now I work one-on-one -on -one with, with uh, coaches especially. And I've especially targeted spiritual practitioners like psychics, okay. mediums, astrologers, numerologists, Reiki healers, energy healers, things like that. The reason why is because it's a big industry. It's a, it's a $2.2 .2 billion industry for, to be sure. And it's one of the most important areas because they really do take on a lot of emotional issues that people deal with. But the way that it's set up is there, there's so much ability to take advantage of the client. And that has really placed a black eye on that industry. There needs to be something else to help people and that there's a better way. So what I do is I show them that they can still use their skills, but apply it in a way that creates meaningful, specific outcomes for their clients and to really understand who the best clients are for them to work with and then charge a premium for their services. And what they find is that clients, because they feel understood, respected, and valued by the professional, by the practitioner, they feel that they want to work with that person and they're happy to pay a premium in order to get a specific problem solved that, that, that is happening in their lives. Because what I've noticed, and I actually work as a spiritual practitioner myself for over 10 years and as an astrologer and an empath. And what I noticed was that a lot of my clients, they were externalizing their own emotions, putting someone else at cause for what they needed to be responsible for. And I've noticed that a lot of the practitioners don't know how to deal with that. They don't know how to resolve that. And what they do is they tend to just feed into that rather than correcting it. So what I do is I, help, I give them the tools to be able to create those emotional investigations with their clients in order to resolve those issues that are keeping them from having the great relationship, from having the great business, from having the wealth they want, from having the opportunities that they really crave for themselves so they can live the life that they imagine for themselves. You know what they say, the psychologist has a psychologist because they are so overwhelmed that yeah. they need somebody to to uh, to give their burden, you know? Right. So it's basically, um, that's what happens. So who you go to when you have, because this is the emotions, when you work with emotions, I find that can drain you. So how you protect yourself, how you save yourself, from from all that negative emotions you know i really don't feel that and the reason why is because i make sure that i hold all of my clients accountable for their emotions and i i don't take on their emotional baggage i refuse to and when i feel like they're trying to do that i stop it dead in its tracks and i let them know what's going on and what they need to do in order to rectify that because it's not my job mm -hmm. Their, their emotional well-being is not my responsibility, it's theirs. And I remind them that of that every single time that we, we interact. M your emotional responsibility is not my job, it's your job. It's easier when you work one-on-one, -on -one, but when you have couples and they decide to, to quarrel and they disagree, uh, that I find that 
willingly or not willingly, you still take on some of the uh, some of the those emotions. Mm. And I know that I'm I feel energy. Like right. I feel people like I walk and I know if a person is happy or it's not happy. So for me, I always have to be in check to 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 distance myself from people who are very negative or very unhappy because I know I I take it on me. Right. So that's why I'm asking. So what I found, I actually have worked with couples before. And what I okay. found is that when someone is feeling a certain way, it's always important to label what they feel. That way I'm not taking on their emotions. I'm more being someone who is witnessing that emotion and I'm able to call it out. And so again, it comes back to taking on responsibility. So if a person is yelling at their spouse, okay, it seems like you're really angry right now. What is it that's causing you to be angry? What's, what is it that's making you decide to be angry? And making sure that they are able to answer the question. Because whenever you ask someone a what or a how type question, there is an irresistible urge to try that question on, to know what it feels like, to know what it is that they are feeling within themselves, to do a check-in with their body, to find out what that emotion is created. Because emotions are generated and experienced by the body. And when you have that connection, when you feel what, what, what that emotion is for you and really why that's happening and getting to that why by asking what and how based questions, you, uh, you get a better understanding, a better clarity of what it is you really need and what it is that um, you are looking for by having that emotional reaction. That's interesting. Basically, you're stepping out and you're watching like you're watching the TV or the screen. Right. And that's that's the way you protect yourself. Yes. Yeah. You at one point we have to learn to do that because otherwise we are not able to help or function. So that's a great, great suggestion. Thank you, Jason. And for everybody, thank you for listening. Don't forget, there is no happiness without love. Love yourself first. Love the other person. Until next time, goodbye.